A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long teams with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God, he's in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> Our mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son... <laughs> Right, two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> and... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Dog episode 51. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So, the Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers. Started out as Faith and Beliefs Refuted, where I would respond to the episodes of Faith and Beliefs from the Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons. Uh, and they started doing that. Uh, section of their podcast and I committed that I would respond to every single one of those episodes and so without fail um, not always on schedule but without fail I have responded to every one of those episodes and today we are back with it we are back responding to David uh, from Saints Unscripted and the Faith and Beliefs section of that podcast so it looks like they're getting into a little bit of church history, um, which is going to be interesting to see their interpretation of church history. Uh, I know a bit of church history. I'm by no means am I an expert on church history. So I'm going to have to research a little more as I look at some of these just to 
hopefully make sure they're representing church history right, but there is an angle that probably every single one of these is going to, I don't, I can't imagine that they're going to totally botch and, and try to retcon church history, which I mean, honestly, wouldn't surprise me if they did, but I'm pretty sure they won't. So I'm, I'm assuming that what they're going to present um, as Christian church history is going to be accurate, but there's going to be an angle that we're going to have to look at it every single one of these. And I don't know how long they're going to go today. I think he's going from essentially 64 AD through 300 AD. So with that, we'll go ahead and we will pull up uh, David and we will let him uh, begin and take us through. And like I said, we'll, as always, we'll uh, stop and, comment as we need to and but more than likely i'm going to let this six minute video just play and then we'll talk a little bit at the end so without further ado uh because we've had enough here's david hey guys hey guys hey guys hey so in this episode we're going to get a bird's eye view of some early christian history we're going to cover some key events between the end-ish of the new testament up to about 300 a.d let's dive right in Okay. Diving right in. So, previously in Christianity, Christ atoned for our sins. He organized his church. He died and was resurrected. Christ's apostles preached the gospel, and even as they were dying off, the Christian message continued to spread throughout the Roman Empire. Now, the ancient Romans were pagans, meaning they worshipped many gods. And in Roman government, there really was no separation between church and state like there is now. In fact, the Pontifex Maximus was a government position, often the emperor himself, which was responsible for regulating religion in the empire, like a secretary of religion. Paganism was sponsored by the government, and Rome accepted gods from all over the empire into their pantheon of options. There's just so many options. That one's good. Looks like a medieval warrior. But interestingly, none of those pagan gods offered salvation in the afterlife. You're a fraud. Is there anything you can do? Pagan gods were very concerned with the here and now. If you worshipped them and offered sacrifices, they'd bless you with rain or military success, etc. If you didn't, there'd be a famine or a natural disaster or other bad stuff. <laughs> In fact, if the Romans lost a battle, sometimes they'd send investigators to that area to figure out which gods they weren't worshipping, and then they'd add them to the pantheon. That's called stealing, you know. The problem with the Christian god, however, was multifaceted. First of all, Christians believed that salvation came via their god alone, and all others were false gods. You're not a god? They refused to offer sacrifices to pagan gods and refused to offer sacrifices to the Roman emperor, who was considered quasi-divine. So not only were they seen as unloyal to the empire, but also the fact that they weren't worshipping Roman gods was construed as dangerous, because it might call down the wrath of those gods. Brother, it's time for the mortals to pay. So anytime something bad happened, this new religious cult was an easy target. There you go again. Blaming everything else but yourself. Early persecution consisted mainly of mob violence or persecution at the local government level. Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help! Help! I'm being repressed! Christians had to worship in secret while people publicly villainized them and spread rumors about their beliefs. 
The sacrament was portrayed as cannibalism. Since they met in secret and greeted one another with a holy kiss, they were portrayed as a scandalous sex cult, things like that. Most scholars believe official government-sanctioned persecution began under the rule of Emperor Nero. So, in about 64 AD, most of Rome was destroyed by a devastating fire. According to the Roman historian Tacitus, rumors were circulating that Nero himself had orchestrated the fire. So he, in turn, blamed the Christians and ordered that they be rounded up and killed. Men in beasts' skins were torn to death by dogs or attached to crosses or, at nightfall, lit as living torches. It's believed that both Peter and Paul were killed in the purge. It was not a good time to be a Christian, nor was it a good time to be a Jew. In 70 AD, under Emperor Vespasian, Rome put down a rebellion in Jerusalem, destroying the temple and much of the city. But even though Christianity's central hub in Jerusalem had been destroyed and the apostles were being picked off, the Christian religious zeal and promise of salvation kept the faith moving forward, and they continued to gain followers into the second century. Persecution continued in varying degrees throughout this century under various emperors, but this century is also noteworthy for the amount of new post-apostolic Christian literature that comes forth. Stuff from Ignatius, Justin Martyr, Arrhenius, Clement of Alexandria, and others. And remember that Christianity was by far the minority religion at this time. As converts came into Christianity, of course they brought with them baggage from their previous faiths. And after the era of the traveling apostles came to an end, leadership of the church fell to local bishops. Bishops in more metropolitan areas or in churches established by apostles generally had the most influence. For example, the Bishop of Rome sometimes acted as a mediator when disagreements arose between other bishops. But the absolute authority of the Bishop of Rome, later known as the Pope, was a concept that would continue to develop over many years. Maintaining a unified set of beliefs across Christendom was a tough deal. There was internal debate about beliefs, and quasi-Christian splinter groups had started to develop and would continue to appear into the 3rd century. In 260 AD, Emperor Gallienus issued a welcome edict allowing Christians to basically worship freely, and they enjoyed relative peace for more than 40 years. That ended in 303 AD when Emperor Diocletian issued multiple edicts commanding that Christian churches be destroyed, land seized, and books burned. He wanted Christians to revert back to traditional Roman paganism, and things got bloody. This is where we're going to end this episode, but as we'll see in the next episode, despite external persecution and internal division, Christianity, in one form or another, was here to stay. There's obviously a lot we didn't cover. Feel free to fill in some of the blanks in the comments section, or check out the links in the description for more info on this subject, and have a great day. Okay, so, um, like I said, I just let him go, and uh, here's the thing. He left out something that's very important if you're looking at this from a Mormon uh, standpoint. Where's the beginning of the great apostasy? Somewhere in there, in that 300 years, supposedly the great apostasy began when all the apostles were gone. Well, obviously somewhere in there, all of the apostles died. Um, unless you hold to the Mormon teaching that John never died, which meant the authority of the priesthood never left the earth, so there never was an apostasy because there was always somebody there. And how? why didn't John come and restore that? that? So, here so you see you run into a lot of problems when you take the different things that Mormons believe. But one, you, 
he does not give you any kind of info, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to mention anything about apostasy. Here's what I'm I'm banking on, and this is or not banking on, but this is my prediction for this section of uh, faith and beliefs. They're going to try to maintain that Mormonism is some part of mainstream Christianity and has been here the entire time, some way in some way or another. As he just said, Christianity in some form or another. Notice that you know when he mentions these these early church fathers, Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, um, and so on. Uh, these men, according to Mormonism, are corrupt because they are professors of creeds which are an abomination. Why wasn't that mentioned, David? Why did you not talk? Why, why are you not uh, showing us where these men and their creeds are an abomination? Why won't you show us, you know, this just this brief little stint of, well, here, this and that, and, you know, you're, you're leaving out a whole lot of what is key to the necessity of Mormonism. Because if you're not going to mention the great apostasy, if you're not going to mention these, these men are corrupt and their creeds an abomination, there's no need for your restoration. So you better back up. You be, I mean, if, you, if you're going to do this, you really need to back up and add all that in. Because essentially, if you're going to go down the path that it seems like you're going down, you're... You're essentially negating the need for Joseph Smith to restore anything. Because if it was all still there, what's the point? So if you're not going to point out to us when the great apostasy began, you know, was it at the death of all the apostles? Did John die? That's a question I'd like to have answered. Did John die Um, or did he live? Is he still alive? You know, we can throw in the three Nephites. Did they die? Are they still alive? Are they still out there? I still hear stories about them. So here's a, there, that's the big issue. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this, this whole foray into church history um, goes. Because, I mean, my experience as a, as a Mormon was a complete disconnect from that church history. Excuse me, that was, that, wow, did not expect that to come. Um, so we were always, con- you know, again, disconnected from that church history because that was all apostate. That was all uh, abomination. That was all corrupt. You know, these are supposedly the words of Jesus to Joseph in the, you know, here we are in the, the just celebrated the 200th anniversary of the first vision of whatever version of the first vision that you're going to go with. And that was supposedly the words of Jesus to the, uh, to Joseph. So if, if this is a period of corrupt abomination, you should probably deal with it in that light, David. Otherwise it's just, it's just disingenuous. It is deception for the sake of deception. Right? So, my Mormon friends, 
if you're watching this. Recognize that. Recognize that. If there is a need for a re restoration, this needs to be dealt with. This is a period of corrupt uh, abomination. My Christian friends, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.